invite you to take your invite you to take your scriptures, if you would, turn back to that Galatians four passage that we read a little earlier. This morning, my sermon title is "A Family Christmas," and so I thought, what would be better than to have a couple of Christmas biblical dad jokes to get us all in the feeling of what it is to be family together. So how many like dad jokes? Be careful. How many like Pastor Walker's dad jokes? May you be blessed on Christmas. Right? Biblical. They're all biblical, so it's fitting. What did Adam say to his wife on the day before Christmas? It's Christmas Eve. Okay, um, one more, one more, one more, I promise. There was a Sunday school teacher, and she was having all of her students on Christmas draw a picture of Jesus' family. So after she collected every student's drawing, um, she noticed one boy's drawing was a little bit strange, different for sure, than everybody else's, because it was depicting the nativity scene, really, in an airplane. She didn't really understand that at all. And so she kind of took his paper and asked him in front of all the other kids. She goes, I see that in the cockpit of the plane you drew three people. I know who Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. But who's the other, the fourth person in the cockpit? He goes, that's easy. It's Pontius the pilot. (laughs) Come on, those were good. I really... All right, whether you like the dad jokes or not, we all agree on we love a family Christmas. Of course, I'm not referring to the idyllic, hallmark, perfect Christmas that has everything in place. No, but the real thing, the real thing, the the family Christmas where all your loved ones come together to enjoy one another, where things probably get loud a little bit. Um, We exchange gifts. We sit down at the table, and the table is filled with all the foods that we expect and have enjoyed for years and years. Um, And perhaps, probably on that day, a little football we're watching on TV as well. Um, It's really what makes a good family Christmas. But beyond all of that, what makes truly family Christmas something that we love is not all the trimmings and the trappings. It's not really the presents under the tree so much as it is all the people that we love around the tree, as it were. But have you ever thought this at Christmas? Have you ever thought about what would Christmas be like without family? No dad jokes because there is no dad. No mom in the kitchen cooking up all those wonderful things we love to sink our teeth into and all the aromas and the smells that come wafting into the other parts of their house as we're awaiting all of them. Those are bring back so many good memories of family, don't they? But what if there was no mom in the kitchen? What if there were no siblings that had been impatiently waiting and for, to come downstairs as little kids to open all their presents Everyone knowing they've secretly shaken every one of them beforehand. It kind of reminds me of the toys. Remember the Christmas classic, the Island of Misfit Toys, who always want to be adopted into a family every year, but 
Each and every year they're left behind. What if that wasn't something that was just felt by a toy? What if it was something that's felt by people? You see, Christmas is about God and family. In fact, let me say it clearly. It's about God bringing you into his family because you don't have one spiritually. See, that's what Galatians really is all about. It's about a lot of things. But especially in chapters 3 and 4, the Apostle Paul is telling us this, that Jesus Christ came into the world at Christmas to make us part of his family. Because he knew this. He knew that we spiritually were not in his family and we desperately needed to be. So here's what God did. He designed what I call an adoption plan that he would put in place for all of humanity. Because... I don't know if you know this or not, but in our world globally, there are 17.6 million children who are called double orphans. Double orphan means that you have no mom and you have no dad. Basically, you have no family. That is true for 17.5 million people in our world, but can I tell you, far more are spiritually orphaned. They have no mom and they have no dad. They have no siblings spiritually, which is a far greater issue. In the Roman world, which is the context in which Galatians is written, see, only male children could be adopted and made a son into the family. You could only become an heir of all the rights and privileges of your family if you were a male. But Jesus' family and his adoption plan is far different. In chapter 3 and verse 26 says this, and read it carefully with that in mind. For you are all sons, he says. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. See, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can be in God's family. And here's what he says. He wants you to know, what does he mean by everybody could be a son? Well, verse 28 says this, For there is neither Jew or Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Did you hear what he's saying? See, God's family, look around today. God's family is black and white and brown and every other color. See what he's saying? God's family purposely has been designed and people have been adopted into his family of every ethnicity, every social status, men and women, and it makes it the greatest family Christmas of all time because everyone can be a part of it. Everyone can be around God's table. Everyone can enjoy the, can I say, Christmas feast that is coming. Everyone, all people can because God's family is not just a big family. It's a diverse family. See, different celebrations, same reason. And that reason is Jesus. Christmas, in a sentence, is part of God's plan to adopt you, you personally, into his family. Well, how does God's Christmas adoption plan work, Pastor Walker? I'm glad you asked. It's a two-part plan. It has an external part. God's son does a work outside of you. And it has an internal part, God's Spirit doing a work inside of you. And so in our few minutes we have today, I want to unpack just those two things and show you how God's adoption plan can work for you. Let's do number one, external part. God's Son redeeming you outside of you. Verses 4 and 5, it reads this way. That when the fullness of time had come, it was Christmas time, we would say. 
But it's more than just Christmas time. It's the time in redemptive history that God designed to bring in a new era, a new age. Up until then, it had been the old covenant under Moses and their law and the Torah. And that's what people had to keep. But now the fullness of time had come. Really, the time of fulfillment might even be a better translation. It's the time where things change. God is going to change things, and he's going to do it through his son, Jesus. Because the old covenant under the Mosaic law could only bring us so far. See, under the law, we were slaves to our sin. And the law could bring us, it couldn't change us from slaves to sons. It could only help us to realize how needy we were to be sons, but could not. See, in our text, 11 times the word slave is used in some form. Verse 1, chapter 4, no different than a slave. Verse 3, enslaved. Verse 7, no longer a slave. Over and over, Paul wants his readers to understand that if you're only under the law, if you're only trying to be good, if you're trying to do it on your own, the only outcome could possibly be is that you are a slave, but you could never be family. You could never be a son. The last year and this year, I read a book called Yuletide and Dixie. And the subtitle is this, Slavery... Christmas and the Southern Memory by Robert May. In it, it tells the story of what happened to slaves in the 1800s on plantations and places during Christmas. And I read story after story after story. And some of them, slaves were treated worse on Christmas. And I read a story about a slave that was beaten on Christmas Day. I mean, slavery is tragic and horrible in and of itself. But to be treated that way, especially on Christmas Day, even is worse. But there was also stories in many of the chapters about slaves that were treated better on Christmas and how their masters actually gave them presents and they, sh- they said dancing and singing and they actually got freedom to go home out of where they were to see other people in their family. But here's what I found about every story. Although some were treated worse and some were treated better, none were treated as family. Not one. Because no matter what happened at Christmas, it didn't change anything. If you were a slave, you stayed a slave. But see, in the Bible, it's different. There was a Christmas that changed everything. And there's a little word in here that Paul wants us to remember what it was like before we became sons. And this little word, under, it's used numerous times Three times in Galatians 3 and 4, under the law, under a curse, verse 10 of chapter 3, under sin, 322, under a guardian, 325, under the elements, under, under, under. That's what we were. And the idea is you're under a, a weight. You're under a burden because of your sin. One of my favorite books outside the Bible, and I have collected over the years all kinds of versions from all number of centuries in my office Pilgrim's Progress. It's a classic. Journeying from the city of destruction to the celestial city, the book's author, John Bunyan, begins his story of that journey with these lines. I had a dream in which I saw a man dressed in rags, standing in a certain place, and I've never read this line before this sermon, and facing away from his home. 
He knew this. Spiritually, he needed a family. Spiritually, and he didn't have one. And then it tells us why. He had a book in his hand and a great burden on his back. As I looked, I saw him open the book, the Bible, and he read out of it. And as he read, he wept and trembled, unable to contain himself any longer. He broke out with a sorrowful cry and said this, What shall I do? You ever voice those words? You ever thought those in your mind? Oh, see, you may say, Pastor Walker, I don't have a burden on my back. You just don't know you do if you're not a Christian. See, you may not be able to see it, but it's visible all the same. See, you might feel the weight of your anxiety and depression that you can't stop. And maybe because of it, you've taken pills to try to subside it, to control it. But it's happened because you're controlling. You try to control your circumstances and your situations. You try to control people, but you find this out. You can't. Thus, the anxiety and at times the depression and the fear and perhaps the pills. See, maybe you feel the weight of the deep longings and satisfaction for satisfaction in your heart, which never come, no matter how many relationships that you have, new ones, different ones, same ones. And for a while, it works for a while, but not much more than that. You feel the weight of the emptiness and the hollowness of being under sin, and you try to do the best you can, and perhaps you're here this morning because you're giving it a new try. It is almost a new year, and perhaps a new leaf. It would do you well. But it's hollow. You know why? Because you try to be as good as you can. And you try and you try and you fail and you try. But the good is never quite good enough. At least not for your parents. Even though you're an adult, you're trying to please them. And you still can't have that after all of these years. You're trying to do what's right. But you find yourself doing what's acceptable because, well, it's easier. And honestly, Pastor, perhaps at times more rewarding See, it's your own slavery to sin. That's what it is. It's your own brand of the change that you carry. It's your burden with your name on your back. And for some, it goes even deeper because there are habits and hidden addictions and desires that perhaps most people, perhaps the ones closest to you, aren't even aware of, but you certainly are because you carry it every day. How can I be free, Pastor Walker? Well, the verse says, God sent forth his son. Do you see what Paul's saying? If you want freedom from being under, it has to happen outside of you, external to you. Luther, the reformer, calls it alien righteousness, which is not from an alien outside in a UFO, but alien means not in you, outside of you. He says it's the righteousness of another instilled from without. See, you can't. Get out from under on your own. Only Jesus can free you from your great burden. Christmas is about freedom. It's about being freed from the burden that you've carried your whole life. The Bible uses the term to describe it, redemption. He's redeeming people. That's what it is. How did he do it? Well, that's what the, look at the verse. It says he was born of a woman. 
That's not a reference to the virgin birth. That's a reference to Jesus' full humanity. See, he was God sent from the Father. He is deity, but he's also humanity. And he had to be both if we were to be redeemed. Why does that matter, Pastor Walker? Because he was born of woman and born under the law. See, you were under, and to get you out from under, he had to go under. Do you see what he's saying? See, the one who made the law put himself under the law. Why in the world would he condescend so far? Why would he take that step of humility? You know why? Jesus, because he had to fulfill the law because you could not. See, the difference between you're under the law and him under the law is that you broke all the rules and he kept all the rules. He's the only one. Why? Two purposes. Did you see it in the text? Verse 5. To redeem those who are under the law. What a beautiful statement, but a great cost. The word redeem means to buy out of the marketplace. It's marketplace basically where you bought slaves and you paid the price for them. See, Jesus lived the life you should have lived, but you never could have lived. He kept Torah. He kept God's rules. See, we owed God because we broke the rules, and Jesus paid what we owed. That's what redemption is. He took the curse. Galatians 3.13 uses the same word, redeem, and says it a little bit differently. In verse 13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. You know what the price was? It wasn't silver or gold. It was his life. He shed his blood. He took the curse. Why did he have to die on a cross? Why such an agonizing, shameful, torturous death? He wanted to see this is what your rule breaking looks like. Look at him on the cross. Look at him being cursed. That should have been you and me. And what was the price of getting you out from under it? His life. And so the hymn writer says, freed from the law, oh, happy condition, Jesus has bled and there is remission. Cursed by the law and bruised by the fall, Christ has redeemed us once for all. But the chorus, listen to it, it's you. Once for all, O sinner, receive it. Once for all, O doubter, believe it. Listen, cling to the cross, the burden will fall. Wouldn't you like that today? Wouldn't you like to let go of the anxiety and the depression and the fear and the not really having the ability to perform well enough to please God, please your parents, please your friends, please your boss? Wouldn't you like to have the burden fall off? Well, you can once for all. Christ has redeemed us once for all. Deliverance from the law only comes to the cross. And that's why if you read the entirety of Galatians, the cross is emphasized over and over and over because here's the truth. Christmas and Easter go together. Jesus came to redeem us. He was born of a woman, born under the law, so that he could die on the cross. Well, what does that mean for me, Pastor Walker? That means this, that he took what you deserved so that he could give you what he deserved. See, only through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection can you go from being a slave to a son. But that's only the first purpose clause in verse 5. 
to redeem those who are under law. Here's what it says, so that he might receive, that we might receive the adoption of sons. That's the gospel. That's salvation. That's the message of Christmas. Slaves to sons. Jesus died on the cross to take your curse But hear me, not just as an outer shell of some legal standing that you are now legally signed the document in his family. No, it's not just a legal standing. He wants to make you family. If he was really holding it against you and he really wanted, he could say this and see, I paid your debt, now get lost. But you know what Christmas is? You know what the message of the gospel is? Is that he says this instead, I paid your debt, now come home. Now your family. See, redemption is the price of your adoption. I looked it up in America. Thousands of adoptions all over the world, but in America as well every year. And I found out this. They are very expensive. The least cost minimum would tend to be 10000 And some of you have adopted children, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. But they can be as expensive as $50,000. $50,000. If you're doing an international adoption, it is the most, by far, the most expensive. But I have found this. When you do an eternal adoption, it is infinitely more costly. Jesus didn't pay 10000 or 50000 He paid with his life. Can I tell you this? Jesus did not die on the cross just to make you free. He died to make you family. To have you be part of his. See, the son of God died to make you a son of God in Christ. One author I read this week put it this way. He took you off of death row and didn't let you just go free. He gave you the medal of honor when you walked out the door. That's adoption. That's redemption. He transferred your sins to him and his privileges to you. That's redemption. That's what means it means to be in the family of God. But see, that's the one part of Christmas. It is the eternal objective part. God's doing a work of redemption outside of you. But there's another side to it. If you flip the coin of redemption over, as it were, there's an internal subjective aspect of God's redemption work in you. And that is not done by his son, by his, but by the Spirit. Verse 6 reads, And because you are sons... If he's done the external work and you have put your trust in him, here's what happens on the inside. He says, God has sent the spirit of his son into your heart and you cry, Abba. I love the fact that in this little text, a very few verses, that all of the divine family, the entire Godhead, Trinitarian Christmas as it were, all of them had a part. See, it's not just God the Father adopting you, not just Jesus. It's all, it's the entire Trinity. The family of God wants to have you be part of it. All of it. And I love this part because it's not just a legal relationship he's looking for. It's a love relationship he's looking for. Sandia is a little girl that my wife and I met in Haiti 23 years ago. And for the last almost a year now, 10 months or so, we've been trying to get her to, through the government program, to be able to come from Haiti to live with us. She's 29. We've known her for 23 years and helped her. And we were hoping 10 months ago, we never thought it would be this, we never thought we'd see Christmas and she wouldn't be here. But she's not here. I even prayed that the Lord 
would give it as our Christmas present when Sandia would come and be here. But he hasn't seen fit to do that. I told my wife jokingly, we should have got a stocking and put her name on it. That would have been faith, right? But the Lord hasn't seen fit to do it. But you know what? I wanted her to come and be part of our family. Stockings with her name on it. A seat at our Christmas table with all of our family. She would live in her house. We have her room already ready. She would sit with our family on Christmas Sunday. We sit together as a family. Christmas stories read in Creole and not just English. Oh, I look forward to that time. Perhaps not, maybe not this year, but next year. Sandia sent me a text on Friday, and it was moving for me because it had only one word in it, daddy. See, that's what Paul's talking about. That's the evidence that you've been redeemed. See what it says? The Spirit of God, you know what in your heart he does? You cry, daddy, papa. See, what he wants not just a legal transaction with you, not just a get-out-of-hell-free card. You know what it is? He wants you to shout this, and that's what the word cry means, shout it. Papa, Daddy, Abba, that's true intimacy. You may have never got that from your family, but you can get it from God's. True family, lasting family, because when God deeply loves you and forgives your sins, then you will deeply love him back. Abba, Father, what a privilege to know that God loves you. And that cry comes out of your heart because he has worked in your heart. See, in every instance in the Bible where Jesus prays to God, he calls him Abba, Father, except one. On the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? You see, he didn't say, my father, my father. And you know why? Because in order to redeem us and make him part of our family, he had to be kicked out of his. Jesus was cast out of his family so he could bring you and I into his family. That's the message of Galatians 4. And so we can rejoice and say this, if you know him, if you're crying Abba this morning in your heart, see what he says? Verse 7, no longer love those two. No longer, used to be, no longer this, no longer orphan, no longer in a family where nobody cared, no longer, no longer a slave, no longer under curse, no longer under the law, no longer under I'm over, I'm free, no longer slaves, no longer in bondage, no longer uh, under the sin's power. We are free, we are family, he says. So which one are you? Slave or son, daughter. See, this could be your first family Christmas, spiritually. But he ends with just two little words. In verse 7, he reads this. No longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Listen, through God. You can't be adopted if you think you're good enough on your own. 
Do you see what It's not through your works. It's not through your religiosity. It's not through your morality or so-called morality. It's not through your rule-keeping. It's not through your self-righteousness. It's not through your church attendance. It's not through your charitable gifts to poor people at Christmas. Although those are all good things, it's through God. Do you see what he's saying? It's not through you. Not at all. It's only through the cross. It's only through Jesus' death and resurrection and payment for your sins, the price he paid so that you could be forgiven. Can you know and say this? I'm a part of the family of God. And so the poet says, to see the law by Christ fulfilled and hear his pardoning voice transforms a slave into a son and duty into choice. Oh, see, to love him back is only a work of grace. To cry Abba is only because he's redeemed you. Is that your cry? It would be if you go from a slave to a son. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, I know it's Christmas. And I know you have plans. But would you consider just more just a few more minutes briefly, adoption, the adoption plan of God. Do you have a spiritual family? Do you know God is your father and Jesus is your brother? Do you know that? It'll make the difference in your eternal destiny. You can know that. You just have to admit this. It's through God, not through me. It's not how good I am or how much I try to obey and do this or do that. It's not what I have done. It's what he has done. When he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins, and then his resurrection proves that there is victory over sin and hell and death. See, that can be yours. You can be a part of God's family this Christmas. Forever you can be if you put your faith and trust in him and him alone Perhaps the word of God through the spirit of God has been working in your heart this morning. And you say, Pastor Walker, I don't want to carry this great burden any longer. I would love for it to fall off like it did for Pilgrim. It can through Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, would you say, Pastor Walker, here's my hand. I lift it to you, to God mostly, and I pray, I'm asking today that I could find out how I could become a member of God's family today. Oh, what a family Christmas that would be. Would there be anyone with no one looking to say, here's my hand, I raise it to God. I want to be part of your, thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else, main floor or balcony? See, Pastor Walker, here's my hand. Pray for me. I need to, I want to be in God's family today. Would you just slip your hand up and put it down? Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Join these two. I need to be in God's family today. Now, Master, I thank you that you are with us. And I'm so thankful that we can say, Abba, Father. You are our Father. We are so grateful 
We're not worthy or deserving of such rich mercy and grace, but you have lavished upon it, us upon it, that on our lives through Jesus Christ, and we are forever grateful. But there are some, too, at least, who indicated by the raise of their hand that they haven't joined God's family by faith. Would it be today, please, that you would bring them to brokenness and repentance and humility, that they would renounce their self-salvation efforts to rely and depend only on Jesus and his cross, death, and resurrection for their freedom and their membership into his family. May that work of grace be done in their hearts. Even now, Lord, we might have the chance to talk with them. And for others who, for whatever reason, did not raise their hand but know in their hearts that they should, I pray today in your sovereignty that you would overcome unbelief and pour in a heart of flesh that they too might come to know you and know the forgiveness that comes to the Father and the redemption of Christ Jesus our Lord. And we'll thank you for these rich blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.